Amen and amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all being here. I appreciate the worship of the Lord. I'm just excited what the Father is doing through the Son and doing in the Spirit in us. So Friday night, or excuse me, Friday afternoon, I got to meet with the uh, football team. We have chapel on Fridays, and uh, I get up and, and, and we, we talk about the Lord, and then Coach Chadwell gets up and he speaks, and then, um, then there's, a, there's a hype video, and then we, they eat, and everybody then disperses, it goes back, and then uh, for, the, for the evening snack, whatever, and then final call. So it was interesting, as I was getting to share with them, I, I heard Coach Chadwell share this, and it's, he said something, and he'd been saying it all week, and it just kind of resonated in my heart. He said, our good is good enough. Our good is good enough. And I thought about that. And I thought about that. And I thought about that. And what he was saying to his team was that your good is better than the number one team. You know, we we can't always say that, can we? We can't always say that we have the right people at the right place at the right time doing the right things to be the best at that level. But I thought about it with such confidence. It wasn't, it wasn't with like a lot of emotion. It wasn't with a lot of excitement. It was our good is good enough. It wasn't our great is great enough. It was just our good. We do what we do. Then God is going to do what he's going to do. And I want to tell you something, my friends, that I was so excited when I had the opportunity to share because I knew I had talked to them the week before about Gardner Webb that basically they were going to blow them out. They know that's the truth. And then I told them, them that they were going to be an instrument of the righteousness of God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that would listen and tune in that God's good is good enough. Are you all awake this morning? You need some sugar. Well, we're going to have a little juice, so that's got some sugar in it, so you'll get a little right with the Lord. But then there's a couple things. See, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand, that is great. That is great. And from, from a football perspective, I am just, I cannot tell you how excited I am about what happened last night. I cannot tell you how excited I am. I remember, I remember being here as a know-nothing when we were, we were playing with 10 scholarships and I was coaching here and playing against South Carolina State and Wofford and Alabama, Birmingham and South Florida and Troy State and getting our faces, East Tennessee State, and getting our faces kicked in. I remember push mowing that dump. I said it. That field. I remember the struggles and the strife. And I cannot begin to tell you, but I want you to know something. That there was a reason that God did that. And there was a reason that it happened. And we knew, and for the people that were in that room Friday evening, you know what we talked about. And you know what the Spirit of God said. And they knew before the game was ever played what God was going to do through them to promote His name and to bring discipline to somebody else. 
Because you see, Coastal don't follow Jesus. Now, I didn't say there weren't Christians there, but I will say this, that that school does not proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this school proclaims the name of Jesus Christ, but they're not all Christians here. But the difference is, from the top, we are supposed to proclaim the name of Christ, and God will use what's little to bear... I'm just telling you. See, I told him in God's kingdom, you don't understand. I want you to wrap your mind around us in God's kingdom. And we talked about this, brothers... See, in God's kingdom, it doesn't work this way. You have the world's kingdom, and you have God's Eric Cocker. Eric is here, and uh, Eric uh, was a student here, and he's been with uh, Governor Perry. and Rick Perry, uh, he's an immigrant from uh, Ireland, and his father uh, got radically saved at the Calvary Chapel and the Jesus Movement. His father's been an associate pastor out there in California with Calvary Chapel and doing amazing work. But, you know, not listen, there's the world kingdom and the God kingdom, like, you're going on the show with Katie Couric and, and, and Ben Carson in two weeks. You're going to be on a show. He has a chance to show Jesus as an immigrant who is now becoming a citizen. And what he's going to be able to say is what the power of God. See, he knows because when he was a student here and when he was in student college of Charleston. I remember, Eric, when you were in the college of Charleston. And I remember in his class, come on, somebody. In his class, and they said, okay, everybody who believes in traditional marriage, I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to stand on this side of the room. The professor said, am I lying? Am I lying? No, I'm not lying. And then he says, everybody who doesn't believe you, you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Don't matter if it's homosexuality, asexuality, intersexuality, transgender, it don't matter. You come stand on this side. And if I remember correctly, that all the class got up on this side, and you were the only one on this side. Somebody who's not even a U.S. citizen was the only one standing for God in America. Do we have a problem, people? See, world kingdom, God kingdom. That happened right down the street. So the world kingdom is this. The world kingdom says, go big or what? Oh, come on, people. You're my, you're my party, people. I, I told you, you're at Summit here at Summit, we are free in the Lord, right? You were the ones before Christ. You were the one dancing on the tables. You were the one breaking something. You know what you were doing. You were getting buck wild, no pun intended, but yes, pun intended. You know, you were there. And so now that we don't follow the little God of this age, Satan, we don't follow the God of the darkness. We follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We can get a little hype in that. So I want you to know, go big or go what? Well, that's what the world says. I mean, when you show up, show up. If you have to pregame mm-hmm, before you get to the party, then as long as you can go big, if you got to get you some liquid courage in before you get to the game of the party, because you know at the party you're going to be too shy, so you got to have something to help you get over it a little bit, you know what I'm saying, so you can show up big, then that's what the world says you need to do. But the, but the Bible says, don't go big or go home. The Bible says, if you start small, if you're faithful over little, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, then you will do great and mighty things. You start small, you go big. The world says, just go big. But when you follow Jesus, you start small. And that's what I tried to say. I tried to give you this, and I want to share with you. That is why God takes CSU, who has broke, 
well, we ain't broke, but you know what I'm saying compared to world standards. If we had, listen, let's just tell the truth, shame the devil. If we had the facilities that Coastal had, come on, somebody. If we had all their high dollar, listen, you wouldn't, you, there wouldn't be enough boards and space in Charleston to put up how many number ones we could throw up. But God took what was little. He took the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He took what's little. And if you would just surrender today, just the little bit of faith that you have in the Lord, God will take what little you have. And in spite of how small it is, and it doesn't matter, but as long as you bring what you do have, God is so big that he can cover even what we don't have. That's what the Lord does. World says, go big, go home. The world also says, in the kingdom of the world, the world's kingdom of the world says, believe in yourself. The Bible says, don't believe in yourself. The Bible says, to deny yourself. Uh, come on, are y'all tracking me today? The Bible says, deny yourself. The Bible says, to, to put all that I have, faithfulness, all that I have into Jesus. To put all my faith in the Word, in the Word of God. Jesus was the Word of God before he put human flesh on. When he put human flesh on prophetically, the angel told Mary that he will be called Jesus. The, the, the Greek form of the, or the, the Greek form of the Hebrew form of Joshua, which is Yahweh is my salvation. He will be the deliverer. So the Bible says to put our faith in him, but the, but the world says believe in yourself. Listen, I want you to know, and I told him, you, that's not true. That is not true. Look, some of you are math experts. I understand that indifferential equations mean nothing to you, that you can do that in your sleep. That Cal 3 was a breeze. But for some of us in this room, who 1 plus 1 equals 2, and 2 plus 1 equals 7, we have some problems. It doesn't matter how much math I study. It doesn't how much math you work with me. It doesn't matter. Sometimes the elevator just doesn't. Well, thank you. Go. That's one way to put it. I was going to give myself a little bit of grace and say it goes up a little, just not all the way to the top. But that's good. It just doesn't work. Thank you. What I'm trying to say is the world says, believe in yourself. Listen, there are some things we just can't do. If you and I are vertically challenged. We will not dunk. I believe I can dunk. I believe I can dunk. No, you can't. Oh, God, I just believe in myself. You know, if you just, I just love these athletes. If you just believe in yourself, you can do it. You can just do it. And then I love the little Christians that don't even know the context of, of, of Philippians. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things. No, you can't. She said no. You're ugly. Hello. Well, the Lord told me. Well, the Lord didn't tell her. I love this. I have a word from the Lord. I just want to sing, and I just want to sing, and I just want to sing. God gave me a song. Shut up. God doesn't write music that bad. He does it. The truth needs to be told. I have to say that in a nice way. You know, it's like, oh, 
Maybe another time and I just forget about it. So my, my point being, no, the answer is we can't do, we can't do, the world says, just believe in yourself. You can't, listen, there's some things that God has not meant for us to do. And there's a reason behind that and we have to trust the Lord. But what happens is, is that over here, God says, listen, if you put your faith in me, if you put your trust in me, then I will do through you what my will is. So in the world's kingdom, the world kingdom says, go bigger, go home. The, the God's kingdom says, start small. Faithful over little, faithful over what, saints? Much. Then you have the second thing. It says, believe in yourself. And, but the, the, the world says, believe in yourself. But God says, believe in me. The, the world says that there's an image. Put out your image. Show yourself, make yourself known that you have an image to uphold. We have an image to uphold where, you know, it's always about, well, this is how much we want at this high school. And it's all, what? I mean, it was nice what they did 20 years ago, but it was 20 years ago. It was nice what they did 10 years ago, but that was 10 years ago. What is, you know, it's all about image. And in God's economy or kingdom, it's all about reflection. It's all about letting the light of the Lord shine on us so that we then let our light shine towards men that they may see our good works and glorify who, saints? Our Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. That's what the Lord's kingdom looks like. That we decrease so that he what, saints? Yeah, that, that's, that's God's. So I'm contrasting if you will, and in comparison with time, but contrasting the world's kingdom and God's kingdom. So I, I go back, I, you know, because Chow was right, our good is good enough. What the effort that we're going to give, the talent level we're going to give, our good is good enough. And that is absolutely accurate and it proved itself true. And I believe with all my heart, just like I told him on Friday, and you might not like this, but I'm going to just tell you what the Holy Spirit showed me, that God was going to use them to become witnesses of his light and goodness. And that is why God was going to give them a victory. Now, was it their talent that made it happen? Yes, but it was the provision of God giving them that talent and giving him his favor that made it happen. So all good things come from the Father of light. So we just glorify God. We just reflect the glory back to him. But here's what happens I know in the kingdom of God. Our good is not good enough. Our good is not good enough when it comes to being in the presence of the Lord. But what the gospel does is the gospel, the point today is that, that the gospel makes us fearless to be thankful. The gospel makes us fearless to be thankful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11. You, I know you recognize this passage because it has to do with the Lord's Supper. As you see, Lord willing, we're getting ready to do here in just a couple minutes. It's all around us. We're getting ready to enter into the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, if I just had some time this morning. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. You ready, saints? Say amen when you're there. Okay, I'm counting that as everybody. All right. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Paul is reiterating what he had learned from the Lord. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he what, saints? Comes. So here's what I'm saying. When the Lord moves in us, the Lord wants us today. I know, not just because of that victory last night, even though I knew it was coming, and we talked about that on Friday night. I have witnesses. Sometimes God just show you, by the way, y'all know when you've been walking with the Lord, does God not show you things before it's going to happen? Come on. Come on. Yeah, he does. All you got to do is just surrender. Remember, little faith. God does a whole lot. The world says, make yourself big. God says, just make yourself small. And I'll show up. And today, we have an opportunity to just be thankful. And thankful is fearless. When I watch people who don't have much, and they're like, the Lord is good. And I go, what? When When I watch People that are ridden with cancer and eaten up and broken and they're saying the Lord is good. When I watch people that maybe are in a situation that I really don't want to be in and they say the Lord is good. Let me tell you something. It stirs up the spirit within me to produce thankfulness. When you are thankful, you are not fearful. And God told us this year is the year of hope. Christ in you, Colossians 1.26, the hope of glory. God is working in and through us. But it's going to express himself in one ways of thankfulness. So when he had given thanks, as John Piper would say, what makes love possible between us and God is that he does not speak from a distance. Here in this passage, he is not speaking from a distance. Verse 23, for I receive from the Lord. God isn't speaking today to us from a distance. He doesn't play hide and go seek. He doesn't play manhunt, even though that is a good game. He's a God that says, call to me in Jeremiah. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. He does not leave us to our own resources, he says. He draws near and gives us himself. That's why he said, this is the covenant in my blood in verse 25. That means that we're going to get the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. I like what he said. When the law was written on stone and it met the unwilling heart of stone, all it does is condemn and kill. So what produces this thankfulness? I don't know who what pastor coined this phrase. It's called the great exchange. Some of you are theologians have learned about it. J.I. Packer will talk about it. John Piper will talk about it. Numerous, it's called the great exchange. And I want to just tell you, this is what the great exchange is. The great exchange is two things. The great exchange is two things. That God exchanged his wrath for us and put it on Jesus. And God exchanged our sinfulness and gave us Jesus' rightfulness, uh, righteousness. It is the great exchange. We are not merely alienated from God. This is why we are thankful today. 
Are we thankful that God would use us to proclaim his name, to show a small football stadium with a small budget, with small external resources against one of the wealthiest, wealthiest schools in our level in the FCS and God says that who I choose I will raise up and who I want to tear down I will tear down and your monuments of stadium size does not declare your victories on the field we're not merely alienated from God, but we're under his wrath. John 3.36 says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The great exchange, the God's wrath. John 3, John 3, I know Robbie quoted, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And the reason why is later on in the chapter, because the wrath of God is going to be upon us. The wrath of God is going to be upon us. But while we were still enemies with God, God demonstrated his love in this, that he sent his son as a sacrifice for us. The gospel produces thankfulness because it destroys betrayal. We deserve wrath because we have betrayed. Come on, look back with me. Come on, verse 23. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, saints, betrayed. The very night of betrayal. Judas is gone, possessed by Satan. Betrayal, and he knows. He knows that very night when he takes the bread and dips it and hands it to Judas and Satan enters him and then Jesus gives permission by authority. Basically when he says this, as I paraphrase, just go do what you're going to do. He couldn't do it until Jesus gave him authority. Satan enters Judas. You read it for yourself in John 13. We have all betrayed. The word betrayal, betrayed means, in, in Greek it means to give into the hands of another. It, it's, it's, it means from the, uh, it's from the root to give to one's asking. It's, you're under someone else's power. We, we, we have betrayed the Lord. So Judas tries to handle his betrayal when he's convicted in a way he goes and hangs himself. And Acts 1 says that he falls down headlong and his intestines burst forth. But because that's how man handles sorrow and grief and depression and despair. But when you rest your betrayal and sorrow and depression and betrayal underneath the blood of Jesus. God will take what we have done wrong and he will raise us up to new life. Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I explained that last week, what iniquity is. It's wickedness, and it's not just he laid on him. I love another version, New American Standard, that it fell on Jesus. The word fall is this idea of a crushing debt. It literally means, there in Hebrew, it means to strike. It means that God met his wrath 
on Jesus. And because we have gone astray, we have betrayed. We are just like Judas and no better. But the difference is, is that we have surrendered by the power of the Holy Spirit waking our dead hearts. The word stray comes from uh, to err to intoxication. It's being under the influence of someone else. That's what it means in Isaiah 53, 6. To go astray means to be intoxicated with something or someone else other than Jesus. Someone else's love, someone else's career, someone else's desire. Maybe it's our desires where, like Robbie was saying, the promises of God, I'm just being truthful, don't satisfy me. We're intoxicated with what we want and not intoxicated with him. That's why in Ephesians 5, it says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a contrast. It's a comparison. When you're drunk with wine, you do things you wouldn't normally do. But when you're drunk in the Spirit, I'll go over here. But when you're drunk in the Spirit, you do things you don't, right? Get a little boldness. You don't need a liquid courage when you got spirit courage. That's because we can be thankful today. That's what happens. This means that we must change. We are under his wrath. Piper said, God's anger toward us because of our God-dishonoring sin. For Romans 3.23. For all of sin, right? Fall short of the glory of God. We are not capable of changing God. We cannot pay back our debt. Psalm 49.7 says this. This is the beauty of the gospel that makes us fearless to live thankful. Psalm 49.7. Truly no man can ransom another. Truly, no man can ransom another. Let me say it again. I love this in the ESV. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. There's nothing we can do to satisfy the wrath of God because of our sin. You say that makes God out to be a hate monger. Well, I want to just tell you this. As a man who sat in the courtroom when his father was a judge, as a man whose whose uncle, whose nickname was Jim Life Davis, who was the first superior court judge to try in all 100 counties in North Carolina and give people life sentence and walk into the courtroom and he will punish you and tell you, I will punish you to the fullest extent of the law. Those are the people that I had to grow up with. Imagine my life when I did something wrong. Where are you going on Saturdays, John? Saturday morning, you going to jail. That's what I did. And when they would try to reach me, I, I, my dad would throw me against the wall. I mean, this is, where's post-traumatic stress disorder then? When they come in and pull a 12-gauge on my dad and my mom pulls out a knife and I'm nine years old going, where's post-traumatic then? They say, well, you just self-medicated it by needing Jesus. No, I needed Jesus because I'm a sinner. I didn't need Jesus because I was scared of somebody else. If they are judges... And someone was raped in their courtroom. And my father looked at them and said, don't worry, it's okay. You're sorry about it. Go home. What does that do to the woman who was raped in her family? What does that say to them? No, a righteous judge has to, because he is loving, has to produce judgment. God is not a hate monger. He is loving and he has to produce judgment. 
No man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Therefore, as Piper would say, God in his great mercy, God intervened and put Christ forward as the propitiation for his wrath, the satisfying atonement of his wrath that 1 John would talk about. Romans 3.25 explains it this way. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, that is patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He said, they committed sins, the punishment is coming. But I'm going to hold that and put it all on Jesus. That's the beautiful God that we love and serve. So Christ absorbed the curse that we deserve. Galatians 3.13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. I say this every week. I use this scripture every week and I use it for a reason because it is to me one of the most precious verses in all of scripture that Christ would become for us what we could not become for ourselves. He would become the wrath of God, the curse of God for us so that we could become the righteousness of God that we don't have. 1 Peter 2.24 says this. I'm going to bust a little new King James on you. Who himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on a tree, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Romans 5.9, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We've been saved from the wrath of God because of Jesus Christ. God is not angry with us. He is not mad with us. And he will use us like he used CSU football yesterday to say, I will... I will raise up who I want to raise up and I will tear down who I want to tear down. The world says that you're number one because you have this and this and this. And God says, no, you're the true number one because you have me. Mm, that, that, y'all, y'all need some more sugar. Robbie, can you come up and play, man? I just want you to man, change the atmosphere in this room, set it prophetic. Do some stuff. Let's change this thing and worship team, y'all get ready. Come on up here and let's do something. So we can be thankful for the great exchange. 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty three. 23, as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. You know why we don't take it every week? Because I want it to be special. I want it to be special. I want it to mean something. When the church in Scripture, right after time of Christ, when they would have the love feast on Sunday evenings and we go home to get ready for work the next... Mm, don't get me started on that. Don't get me started. You, you, you're hard-pressed to find any church that's going to have a Sunday night. Mm, well... And they would have this love feast and at the end they would have the Lord's Supper... It meant something to them because they were believing Jesus was coming back at any moment. And he could have. But he wanted us in his great love to experience his presence. Thank God he didn't come back in AD 80, in AD 90, and in AD 70. Thank God he didn't come back. So we who did not know him, who were far off, have now been brought into the presence of the beauty of Jesus. 
We get to experience the resurrected Savior. And we have the presence of Jesus called the Holy Spirit within us right now. And that Spirit gets stronger and stronger within us as He gets more of us. So one day, we can't wait as we step out of this body, this old broken body, and we step out of this body into the presence of Jesus. I'm not interested in just seeing my family that's there. I'm not interested in not having any more pain or sorrow. I'm not interested in not having suffering. I'm interested in the arm of thankfulness only comes from the great exchange God exchanged his wrath for us onto Jesus and he exchanged our unrighteousness and we got Jesus' righteousness and when I tell you that's the heart of the gospel I do not mean it's the center of the gospel I do not mean that the gospel relies all nothing, Robbie, just on the justification that he, God gives us. It is at the heart of the gospel, but it is not the gospel. I love Piper, we even talk about that. I, I love that, just making that word synchronize that. I got to use that, the C-E-N-T-R. It's not the center of the gospel. It might be the heart, but it's not the center. The center of the gospel is the presence of God. And we Get to celebrate that today. When you drink that juice, you are saying, Jesus, your life is my life. When you eat that bread, you say, your body is precious. And because you died, now I can live forever with you. I am telling you, we won yesterday because God said, I will show when people have faith in me that it only takes a little to do something big. Come on. And if God can do that, I walked in their shoes eight and a half years at this place. If God can do that for them, he will do it for you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. But he did not say the weapon won't be formed. People's mouths will run you down. People's attitudes will be terrible. People are going to come against you because you stand for Jesus. But here's what I want you to know. It's not who stands against you that matters. It's who stands for you that matters. That's the God that we serve. And that's the God that we need, Eric. So when you're with Katie Couric and he's not ashamed of Jesus, I remember when you let Governor Perry, Texas, Governor Rick Perry, former governor, when you set me up to talk to him a couple weeks ago. I just, you know, what an honor just to even talk to him just personally and on the phone and calls me on a cell and just to hear his heart for the Lord and just to see what God is, God is stirring something up. It's God is stirring in us. He's stirring in us, Robbie. He doesn't want, that's why people are becoming more and more stronger for the Lord. And all the people that say they love Christ, but they're not willing to stand for Christ, God is letting them slowly just fall away. They're letting just, and there's becoming a bigger gap. Is there not, saints? Come on. There's a bigger gap between those who say they love God and those who really walk with God. There's a bigger gap in Christianity. And God in John 15 is coming alive in front of our eyes and he's pruning the vine right in front of us. And the ones who bear fruit, somebody, the ones who bear fruit will have to move forward. Coach Bob, is that you back there? I can't see. I'm sorry, the lights are so bright. So here's what impresses me about Jamie. And I'm not making this just about football, but it's, it's, it was happening. You know what I love about Jamie? And Bob, you testify this. And some of you in this room testify. Wish, 
You go down to there and in the basement, which is, in my opinion, the safest place on campus. That's why we put the children there. It's hard for somebody to find them. Right? And plus, let's be honest. We'll go old school on somebody and beat everybody up if they try to hurt them. And then we'll just ask Jesus for permission. Hey, what can I say? We summit. But my point is, is they'll come back. He's come back in the last couple of years. And even after a loss, and they'll get back, right, Bob, two in the morning, sometimes from games, right? Sometimes late games. I'm, I'm telling the truth, right? Because you're a man of God. He'll get back, Coach Padilla, same thing. He'll come, right, Coach Padilla? Y'all get back. That man and his wife will be down there serving with those kids. On the floor with those children, no sleep. And some of us in here just enjoying the worship and they down there serving with a broken heart. I respect that. Because when you trade your life for the greatest life in Jesus, then God does something miraculous. So we're going to land this plane. I know where we're going. We're going. But the great exchange is, but not only are our sins counted as Jesus's, Jesus's righteousness is counted as ours. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a celebration of the righteousness. That's why God says, before you eat this, examine yourself. Before you eat this, get right with the people around you. If you've wronged somebody in the room, a teammate, your spouse, your grandparent, your grandchild, your great uncle, your great greasy granny, I don't know who she is. But make it right. Examine yourself. I am old school. I believe what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. Now, all you great theologians can wash it away, but I believe what the Bible says, and I believe what the Orthodox interpreters have said for thousands of years, that if you take this in the wrong way, it can bring death upon you. You say, how is that, John? It's not to be feared, because if you take it in the wrong way, it, what happens is, is you're, you're, you're saying, God, I can be right with you and not be right with others. And that's not the way it worked. Jesus came to us so we could be right with God. It was a huge sacrifice. So, but John, you don't understand. I didn't do anything wrong and that person doesn't like me. That person makes fun of me. That person mocks me. So, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? So, welcome to the jungle, people. So what you do is this. You say, listen, if I've offended, if I've done anything wrong, I'm sorry. I know you don't want to do it. Your flesh is going, no way, no way. Devil saying, no way, right? Spirit of God saying, yep, that's the way, the truth, and the life. It's a narrow road. Walk in it. And so you call them up. You write them up. You do whatever you need to do. Email them up. And you say, text them up. You say, hey, sorry. They say back, I'll never forgive you. That's on them. You've made your peace. So examine. Let's read it. And let's take it. Heart of the gospel. The removal of sin. Because Jesus bears the curse, as Piper would say. And the imputation of righteousness. Put it inside us. And on us. And in us and through us. So we stand right in front of him. That is the heart of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks... Eucharisteo in the Greek, where we get the word Eucharist. 
He broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And remember means we've got to live and become the body of Christ. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I just love that phrase. Death and life come together at the cross. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we, are more, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Be discerning, be wise for the days of evil, Ephesians 5. So when you take the bread, what we're going to do is we're going we're to take a moment. I'm going to pray. And during the prayer, you're going to examine yourself. You're going to examine yourself. And then all of a sudden, players and teammates and, and girlfriends and families and friends, you get together. We've got it in the back because some of you are closer toward the back than the front. Uh, uh, you know how we work at Summit. This is, this is what we got. And so you'll be able to go off to the side. One of you, woman up. One of you, man up. You read this passage. You read 24, 25. 26, and you pray, and you take it. And you go back to your seat, and we celebrate it with song, just like they did when they sang a hymn before they went out to the Mount of Olives. You get with your family, you get with your friends. If you're by yourself and you don't know somebody, then somebody in this family needs to go grab them. Don't you let anybody take it alone. Be bold in your faith. We'll take it. We rejoice in the Lord, but we're going to examine ourselves first. So as I pray, examine your heart. And if you need to make it right, go make it right. If they're in this room, grab them before you go. Partake. If you need to do something afterwards, go make it right. But today, we get to take this as a family. This is a great way for parents be the leader. Single mom, be the leader. Single dad, be the leader. Grandparent, be the leader. Sweet mate, be the leader. Best friend, be the leader. Youth, be the leader. Time to stand up for the Lord. Thankfulness is a sign of fearlessness. Who today is thankful for Jesus? Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. But we're going to stop and be thankful for Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful for Jesus who took our curse that was wrathful and vengeful. And all of a sudden, he bore that on a cross, on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he did it for us because he loves us because you love us and you sent him and it pleased you to crush him Isaiah 53 verse 10 and because he was not only the satisfying atonement of sins but because he was perfect and righteous we get his righteousness 
So we examine ourselves today, Lord. If there be any wicked way within us, have mercy. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We acknowledge every one of them today. Whether it's a thought, action, or deed that we did that we shouldn't have done, or a thought, action, or deed that we didn't do that we should have done. And today, we celebrate the great exchange. We celebrate Jesus' life for our life, his blood for our blood, and we celebrate the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And we do this in remembrance of him, and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So forgive us as we examine ourselves. Everybody that we've wronged, we want to make it right. Even though we feel like we've done nothing, Lord, the onus is on us that we who are walking with Jesus try to make peace because we are peacemakers, and you said blessed are the peacemakers. So we just confess now. Confess. Here they are, Lord. Here's here's our confession. We are sorry for. We ask forgiveness for. We rejoice in you for. We celebrate this Lord's Supper for your glory. So now we come and we partake. And Lord, I want to thank you personally for the deacons and leaders in this room who will take the cup and the bread to people who physically can't maybe come forward. And they'll be walking up and down the aisles. The leaders in this room, women and men, walking up and down the aisle with the cup and bread for people who can't make it to serve and to tell them they are valuable to Jesus. And for all the tables in the back that are closer for people that they can go to, Lord, I thank you for everyone who served and put all this together this morning. I didn't do one thing. They did it all. I thank you for them. Behind the scenes, very valuable to you. So we come and we partake. We love you. And God's people said what? Will you come? There's tables in the back. There's tables in the front. And if you're not able to come, people will bring it to you. You come. Get together with your group. Get off to the side. Pray for one another. Take prayer requests, whatever it might be. And let's rejoice in the victory of the Lord. The Lord is good. His mercies are new every morning.